This morning's reading is from John 17, and it's when Jesus prays to his Father for his disciples. Commencing at verse 6, John 17. I have revealed you to those you gave to me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture may be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more, and I am of the world." My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified. This sermon could be short. Um, You could easily sum it up in one sentence. God is at work in the world and he wants you to join him. I could end it there, go back to the platform, we'll go and eat some food, it'd be fantastic. But there's a little bit more to that. This assignment is called your mission. Now, mission isn't quite the same as ministry. Ministry is your service to believers within the church, within the body of Christ, whereas your mission is to those who are not part of that body. God created you for both of these things, though, for mission and for ministry. I mean, one common view of mission work is a young person like myself, going off to some impoverished country, I know, India, Brazil, Haiti, spending a few months there, getting to know the locals, and then you kind of come back and get on with your life. But mission can be a lot more than that. I remember at Soul Survivor a few years, a speaker called J. John said that a missionary isn't someone who crosses the sea, it's someone who sees the cross. And you can see the cross in so many places. It may well be overseas. It may well be in your workplace, in your school, in your college, in your uni. 
in your, in your home even. Your life mission is both shared and very specific. One part of it is a responsibility that we all share as Christians. We all share as members of the church, as members of the body. But another part will be an assignment that's very specific to you. Something God has said to you. Something that God has laid really heavily on your heart. Our English word of mission comes from a Latin word for sending. Being a Christian involves being sent into the world as a representative of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus clearly understood his life mission, even from an early age. When he was 12 and he was separated from his parents on a visit to the temple, they found him there and he said, no, I must be about my father's business. And then about 21 years later, as he is on the cross dying, he says, it is finished. These two events are like bookends for a well-driven life mission. He completed the mission that his father gave him. The mission that Jesus had on earth is now our mission. He started off in his physical body, but now we continue it in the spiritual body. But what is that mission? It's simple enough. But it can be a challenge, it can be incredibly difficult. The mission is to introduce people to God. The Bible says, Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. God wants to redeem human beings from sin and reconcile them to himself. That is the purpose for which you are created but there are other purposes as well. Your purposes in life, the big questions, what am I here to do? You're here to love God, to be part of his family, to become like him, to serve him, and to tell others about him. That is why you're here, purely and simply. Once we are here, God uses us to reach others for these five purposes. He saves us, and then he sends us out. The Bible says we have been sent to speak for Christ. We are the messengers of God's love. We are to convey those purposes that he has given us and tell other people about them. And there are a few reasons why you should take it seriously. Firstly, Jesus commands us to continue his mission. He calls not only to come to him, but also go for him. Your mission is so important, it's repeated five times in five different ways in five different books of the New Testament. You can find them in the four Gospels and in the book of Acts. It's as if he was saying, look, I really want you to understand this. I want you to get this and to focus on this. So, you know, check these out. I haven't really got time to read them all now, but five, uh, four books of the Gospels and a book of Acts. You can find out the what, the where, the when, and the how. In one of these instances, Jesus said, go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I have told you. This great commission was not just given to pastors, 
not just given to church ministers, not just given to church leaders, but to every follower of Christ. And note, when we kind of give this a heading in the Bible, it's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, not the Great, if you feel up for it, you might want to go out to all nations, you you may want to baptise them, you may want to tell them about me. No, this is a commission, a command. It's mandatory for every follower. In the book of Acts, Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Note here, what he didn't say was, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in all Samaria and then in all Judea and then to the ends of the world. He said, you go here, and you go here, and you go here, and you go here. You go everywhere at once. You may have been unaware that God holds you responsible for unbelievers that live around you. It's a tough one. The Bible says you must warn them so they may live. If you don't speak out to warn the wicked to stop their evil ways, they will die in their sin. But I'll hold you responsible for their death. In many cases, especially these days, in your workplace or your schools, you may be the only Christian that somebody knows. And you have a huge responsibility. But don't let that daunt you, because Christ will be right there with you, always to guide you and to help you. Your mission is a great privilege also. So take joy in that. Although it's a profound responsibility, it's an honour to be used by God. Paul said, God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favour and be reconciled to him. Your mission involves two great privileges, working with God and representing God. We get to partner with God in the building of his kingdom. We are co-labourers. He is the foreman but we are working alongside him. Jesus secures our salvation, puts us in his family, gives us his spirit, and then makes us his agents in the world. The Bible says we are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He is already friends with you. And your mission is the greatest thing you can ever do for someone. I'm going to talk about Spider-Man again. A few years ago, there's a trilogy of films called Spider-Man, strangely, uh, following the uh, adventures of a young, awkward teenager called Peter Parker, who was bitten by a radioactive spider and became the aforementioned Spider-Man. And in the first film, he was battling against a villain called the Green Goblin, who was also known as Norman Osborn. Now, I don't want to spoil anything here, but at the end of the film, they have a fight, unsurprisingly. Uh, It's a bit scrappy. Um, Spider-Man, spoiler alert, defeated the Green Goblin. Uh, And the Green Goblin's up against the wall, and he's giving this little speech like, this is not the end, this this will not be the end, I will defeat you, Spider-Man. That's why I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, And the Green Goblin's got this glider thing, it's got blades on it, and he's getting ready to kind of impale Spider-Man with this uh, glider thing. 
But Spider-Man, he's got amazing reflex. He's got his spider sense going on. And so the glider's coming towards him. He jumps out of the way and... Uh, the Green Goblin kind of killed by his own thing. All very sad, all a little bit gruesome. Spider-Man picks up the Green Goblin, takes him back to your spawn residence, lays him down on the bed. But then in walks Harry Osborn, who is the son of Norman Osborn. And he's like, whoa, Spider-Man just killed my dad. I will have my revenge. And spends the next two films trying to get Spider-Man killed in any way he can. It all gets a bit confusing. It's only in the final act of the final film of the trilogy that the Osborne butler decides to turn up to Harry and say, uh, on that night your father died, I, uh, I cleaned his wounds, and it turns out he was killed by his own blades. And I'm, I'm in the cinema thinking, why didn't he say that two films ago? We, we could have saved a lot of trouble if he had just got that sorted there and then. Uh, yeah, it just kind of confused me. I don't know why, why, why would you do that? Why hold such important information back? Now, if your neighbour had cancer, your neighbour had AIDS or some kind of threatening disease, and you held the secret to a cure, it would be criminal to withhold that. It would be utterly ridiculous to not tell them the secret. Even worse would be to keep secret the way to forgiveness, the way to find your purpose in life, to find peace and eternal life. We have the greatest news in the world, and sharing it is the greatest kindness you can ever show to anybody. One problem that I think some long-term Christians have is that they forget how hopeless they were before knowing Christ. Occasionally, we'll share testimonies about our life before knowing Jesus. But how often do we kind of ponder on a day-to-day basis? And how often do we apply those feelings when we're talking about mission, we're talking about evangelism and approaching people who don't yet know? Without Christ, they're hopelessly lost and headed for eternal separation from God. And the Bible says Jesus is the only one who can save them. So introduce Jesus to people who don't know him. Your mission has great eternal significance. It will impact the eternal destiny of other people. So it's more important than any other job, any other achievement, any other goal that you set yourself in your life on earth. The consequences of your mission will last forever. Nothing else you do will matter as much as helping other people establish an eternal relationship with God. And this is why we must be urgent about our mission. Jesus said, all of us must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent me, because there's little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. The clock is ticking down on your life mission. So don't wait another day. Get started on your mission by reaching out to others right now. We'll, all ha- we'll have all of eternity to celebrate with those who have found Jesus, but we've only got this life to get the invites out. And your mission, it gives your life a meaning. American philosopher William James once said, the best use of life 
it's to spend it for something that outlasts it. The truth is, only the kingdom of God is going to last. Everything else will fade away and die. Knowing that, why would you give anything else a higher priority? Paul said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. There's also a danger here of thinking that if you fail your life mission, you've wasted the life God gave you. But if just one person will be in heaven because of you, your life cannot be considered a failure. You're not always going to see the fruit of your labours either. Sometimes you may plant the seed and a few years down the line, that person will come to know Christ, but you won't be there to witness it. However, you weren't placed on earth to do nothing or just live for yourself. God invites you to participate in what he's doing in the world. Whenever you see God at work in the world, it's an open invitation to join him there. God's timetable for history's conclusion is also connected to the completion of the commission that we've been given. With people like American pastor Harold Camping stirring things up about the rapture uh, about a year ago and the massively inaccurate Mayan prophecy about the end of the world in December, there's a lot of talk at the moment about the end of the world and the second coming. When will it happen? Right before Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples asked Jesus this question, and his answer was incredibly revealing. He said, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is amazing. When the disciples wanted to talk about prophecy, he switched it right around and started talking about evangelism. He wanted them to concentrate on their mission in the world, not necessarily what's coming years and years down the line. Jesus is saying, the details of my return are none of your business. What is your business is the mission that I've given you. Focus on that. Speculating on the time of Christ's return is futile. Since Jesus said no one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father knows. Since Jesus Jesus said even I don't know the day or hour, why should we even try to figure it out? What we do know for sure is this, that Jesus will not return until everyone he wants to hear the good news has heard it. Jesus said the good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world, to every nation. Then the end will come. So if you want Jesus to come back sooner, get focused on that mission. Get focused on spreading the good news to those who have not yet heard it. And God will bless your lives as you are dedicated to his kingdom. Jesus said more than anything else, Put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. God can bless you greatly when you, when you participate in his work for the world. So instead of praying, God bless what I want to do, 
pray, God, help me to do what you're blessing. Each morning, pray, Father, I want to know what you're going to do today. I bet it's going to be amazing. I want to be a part of that. Fulfilling the mission you're made for will require you to abandon your agenda and to focus on God's agenda. David prayed, turn me away from wanting any other plan than yours. Your mission begins the moment you say yes to God in obedience, in faith and in love. The night before he is crucified, Jesus reported to his father, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Will you be able to say that at the end of your life? Is what you're created to do, is what you're created to do and it should be your life goal, bringing glory to God through mission. So can you think of any valid reason to prevent you from making that commitment? The Bible says, give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death and you want to be tools in the hands of God, to be used for his good purposes. Let's just pause for a moment and just reflect on those words.